Rise, guys. Rise, gals. Can I talk to you for a second? Just over here. Just out of earshot. What's up with John lately? I don't I don't know. He's coming across strange, isn't he? He's being... I don't know. I, I get this weird well, vibe Well, Oh, no. Him. I'll be right back. Oh, hey, Russ. Hey, 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 hey. We were, uh, we were talking... What do you do? You're talking... What are you talking to? We were just talking about something else. Oh. About the cosmos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rise guys and rise gals. Hello and welcome back. This is Mad About Mad About You, your Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. John, how's it going? What bro? are you talking about? Nothing. Nothing. Do I sound different or weird? No. No, no, you sound fine. You sound fine. He sounds fine, doesn't he, everybody? Doesn't he sound fine? Oh, brother. You trying to make me crazy? <laughs> if I cared about what you thought that much, maybe I would go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i can't imagine you caring about what i think no 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 of course <laughs> no you mean nothing to me i don't care less about what you think than other people i care about oh that's so sweet <laughs> uh, that's why this works i mean isn't that adulthood not caring as much about what people think as we did when we were young absolutely living that our is... own lives Yes, that is, in theory, what adulthood is. Right, in theory. You let me know when you get there, and I will do the same for you. Oh, I'm there, baby. You're there, baby. <laughs> Please like this podcast. <laughs> Rate and review. 50 by 50, 50 by 50, 50 by 50. <laughs> oh, yeah, You're well? The bomb that's international mad about you month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of you care. <laughs> I didn't either. Hey, listen. Yeah. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Christmas didn't happen in a moment. Halloween took forever. All of these things are true. Holidays Halloween don't happen overnight. Forever. <laughs> Holidays don't happen overnight, you know. That's true. Well, you know, you're kind of right. Uh, except for Sandwich Night. Are you familiar with Sandwich Night? On the Chris Gethard show. That's uh, the one. I am. <laughs> that, that one happened in a night, that holiday. Yeah, I think the issue here is I, I set my sights too big. A month is crazy. Sure. Let's go smaller next time. We'll do like a <laughs> Mad About You minute. Oh, that's perfect. Sure. Maybe we can get everyone on board with that. For one minute a we'll year. Everybody's attention on one minute of Mad About You stuff. So, oh, what this? Oh, oh, uh, what? Well, first we should start with listener mail, right? Yeah, yes, let's. That's do it. a top we, of we show reached, traditionally. I love it, right? This is very true. Yes, we've reached out to you, the mad about mad about you listener and fan, to find out what you would like to know from us, about us, by us, for us, with us. Yeah, it's fun this way. Hopefully, we'll do it again next time. Every time yeah. we record, it's a nice little thing. I like this idea a lot. So this is a letter from about a month ago that we didn't read on air. But then we came to our attention that uh, people would like these read on air. So let's do it. We were hesitant. Ru okay, everyone. Russ was nervous because he thought this was going to sound a little self-aggrandizing. However, a bit nervous. we didn't write it. You know, a lovely listener named Tracy wrote it. Yes. Hello, Tracy. It's perfectly fine to read. Hello, Tracy. Oh, this is... <laughs> Well, Did you forget that now the reading has to happen? Yeah, I was about to read our response. <laughs> and it started with, hey, Tracy. Tracy says, hey, Tracy. Yeah, no. Okay. In honor of your 50th episode, y'all remember that? A couple weeks, well, a couple episodes ago? <laughs> I have the perfect story to tell that is too long for Twitter. 
I am Time with Tracy. That's the name of this column, I guess. Yesterday, <laughs> I bought lemon tea. It was so delicious that I had two cups in a row not long before bed. I didn't sleep well last night, and it wasn't until I went to have my tea a little while ago. This was written, oh, quite late, 11, 16 p.m., that I looked at the box of lemon tea. It's caffeinated tea. I drank caffeinated Boom. lemon tea before bed. I put myself full of caffeine. The situation was similar to Jamie's, except I did it to myself, and I didn't find anyone on my roof. You really jamie it up, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the podcast, and here's to the next 50. Aw, that's lovely. Isn't that nice? I hope you slept since then, Tracy. Yeah, who knows? And if you didn't, let me know what kind of tea it was, because I wouldn't mind taking a sip. <laughs> no time for sleep for us. Got to be making money 24-7, you know what I mean? I, that's all you do is make money. Yeah, You're there's a, a market factor. open somewhere. <laughs> he says as he sips his caffeinated... It's a Coca-Cola. It's a Coca-Cola. Yes, it is. It sure is. It's a Coca-Cola Zero, there you which go. is the opposite of my portfolio, baby. <laughs> Your portfolio is Pepsi 100. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you, Tracy. And if anyone wants to email us, we're madaboutyoupod at gmail.com. We love hearing from everyone. Send us a letter about what you're up to, about the podcast, about Mad About You, about any beverages that you've had at any point in time. You know what, Russ? What's that? I'm going to do something a little crazy. Uh-oh. Well, not that crazy. We got a letter, in, uh, in a letter, an email almost a year ago that we never read. <laughs> Whoa. And we corresponded. With this person, David is their name. Uh -huh. I even forwarded it to your personal email address and said, we finally got an email with an exclamation <laughs> point. So since we're doing this, let's be completionists and read. There, there we go. The second of the two fan letters we received. Not fan letters, just whatever. What do you call it? Sure. Mail, correspondence. Listener. Listener, listener mail? Yes. Great. I think you only call it correspondence if we're going to bind it and sell it or bring it into court as documentation. One day, these will be studied in an English class. <laughs> this is from David. Hey, I really love your podcast and look forward to it every week. Mad About You Minutia is something I don't, don't get to share with a lot of people. But I have to say, we're not all rise guys and rise gals. Some of us are Helen Hunters. Or whatever you can come up with that's funnier. Keep up the good work, David. So, that is a challenge that both Russ and I have failed to meet. That is true. Thank you very much, David. That is a very valid point. It is. So now we turn it over to the listeners. You people figure it out. Let us know. <laughs> I once mentioned hunters and huntresses. Yes, and I didn't like it. Right. But I also... With a resounding thud. I had nothing better, so... Right. You know, you can't really shoot something down if you have no ammo to shoot it down with. It's difficult. That's, yeah. That's how this podcast works. Yeah, air guns don't <laughs> make bullet holes. <laughs> As the old adage goes. Yes. <laughs> that famous old You know what shell. they say, air guns don't make nutshell. bullet holes. Chestnut? Holy moly. <laughs> I don't have the right words at all, John. So that's the E-M-A-Y-L? M-A-Y-L? M-A-Y, yes. <laughs> E-M-A-Y-L. E-M-A-Y-L. Great. Great. Wonderful. And then we have a few uh, people also shared thoughts with us about the episode, which I guess we'll get yes. to when we get to the episode. Great idea. Yeah. So thanks, everyone. This is a fun new dynamic. Love it. Look at us. Dig me. I'm interacting. <laughs> get me. Get me. I know. As soon as I said it, I was like, oh, it's get me. I didn't even, it didn't even click for a second because no. you were very convincing. <laughs> so this is episode 53 of Mad About Mad About You. We'll be talking about season three, episode seven of Mad About You, an episode called The Ride Home. Yes. Premiered on November 10th, 1994. Paul flirts with a professional possibility 
while Jamie argues with an ex over who dumped whom. That is the TV Guide description, yeah? Yes. It's interesting it doesn't mention a party. <laughs> I guess it's implicit, though. John, that's very interesting. Yeah, since the entire episode's set at a party. Not the entire. Oh, really? You want to count the cab scenes as actual scenes? Because, oh boy, I don't. You don't? No, nothing happens in them. They're very important. No, they're not. Oh, we're going to get into it. Okay, great. Oh, oh no. John, I did not expect to fight with you on this episode. Are you kidding? Yeah, I, I'm not kidding. Oh, boy. We'll talk soon. Yeah. We'll talk, John. I did. <laughs> you knew right away? I had a feeling. <laughs> I could never tell with you. I can never tell. So that... Try to put me in a box, baby. <laughs> I'll come out the bottom, I'll come out the side, you don't know where I am. <laughs> you refuse, you refuse to be boxed in. Who's Eric? Eric Stoltz famous, right? It says in parentheses, Eric Stoltz is her ex. Yeah, yes. Okay, cool. That's like a, a like a draw in the user a little, like, ooh, Eric Stoltz, I gotta watch. Yes, absolutely. Either that or it's just like, since people know of his name, they're contractually obligated to mention him by name. I don't know if it's an equity thing or something. <laughs> I don't think it's a union thing, but it could be his publicist. Could be. If yeah, he's famous, famous. Yeah. yeah. Which it yeah, sounds that, like that was, he is. That was a conversation on a phone. Yeah. We're talking about Eric Stoltz here. You're going to print his name. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm sure they all, all the PR firms in LA probably have a, well, not anymore, I guess. But, you know, a direct line to the TV guide people. <laughs> it's like, hey, baby, how you doing? My boy Eric's going to be on this week's Mad About You. Make sure you drop that name in that description, okay? <laughs> All right. I know I don't need to tell you this, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take care, cha-cha. I know you're given 19 words to make your point. Two of those had better be Eric and Stoltz. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> it's a fine description. I don't know. It's accurate, so great. Yeah, we, we cannot say it is inaccurate. No, and it's a little playful. Flirts with a professional possibility. We don't know what that means exactly. That's true. It sounds like you might be deciding, right. a, making a decision about a professional possibility or flirting with a person. Who knows? I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. Plus, I hate parties, and there's no sign of a party. So, yeah, I'll check it out. <sighs> Why does everyone Why hate parties? Russ, that is <laughs> the tropiest thing for you to say. <laughs> I... Everyone hates I, parties. The Buckmans I hate know. parties. The people they talk to at the party hate parties. I love parties. John. George Costanza hates parties. Jerry Seinfeld hates parties. This, How about you? This reminded me a lot of the party episode from uh, Seinfeld, where they go out to Long Island and yes. Michael Chiklis guest stars. Yeah. Yes. From The Shield. From, from The Commission. Yeah, from The Commission. <laughs> from the freak show season of American Horror Oh, Story. I didn't know that. Good for him. I don't yeah. like that show, though. I wish that show was off the air. I'll say it. I don't care. Don't do that. I don't like I, it. I, I like that show. I don't think it contributes one positive thing to our society. Okay. It's fun and escapist, um, usually. Last it's season, fun so. for sickos. For sick. Yeah. Yeah. Sickos need to have their fun, too. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, maybe you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have them have fun with that show than God knows what else they'd be doing. God knows. I like that show. You're talking about me. I'm thinking personal offense. Oh, well, you're a sicko. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> okay, now what? <laughs> I think we talk about... Oh, hey, Russ. Right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Say what's up, John. It's Thursday night. Uh, mm -hmm. I, listen, I know what I'm doing at whatever time Mad About You airs that I don't remember. But... Eight o'clock. Yeah. Wait, really? Still? Yeah, it started the night off. What? A, what? Say that I was really in the mood for a party episode. <laughs> this clearly isn't one. 
What else is on TV? You're watching NBC. I'll tell you, John, you've got a different party on a different channel Okay. tonight. And if you're interested in younger people parties than this one, I'm going to direct your eyes and attention over to ABC at 8 o'clock hmm. for, my, for my so-called life. Oh, not the premiere, though, obviously, right? No, no, no. Great, we're, okay. We're, we're many, many episodes in. That's the one well, about the high many, school many. CIA, stu- CIA agent? <laughs> CIA agent? <laughs> Are you thinking of uh, 21 Jump Street? No. Where they're cops? No, I was making a dumb cops? Homeland joke. Didn't work. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. Yes, go yeah. ahead. My so-called life. My so-called life. Claire Danes. Indeed. Introduced to the world. The dearly departed and much beloved My So-Called Life. Not Claire Danes. You oh, gave a look gosh. thinking that Claire Danes had No, away. I thought you were going to say that the dude did. No. Wilson Cruz. Every- Everybody's healthy. Everybody's happy. Wilson Cruz played Ricky. Yeah, I was fascinated by him on the show. He actually, I saw him last year. He is in 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. Uh, Is that the suicide teen show? That is the suicide teen show. Yes. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Oh, yeah. He's in 15 episodes. Yeah. He was in, I think, three for season one. And he shows up, I guess, a lot in season two, which I haven't watched yet. Uh And I probably will in spite of myself. It is not good. Oh, really? Yeah. Ouchie. Ouchie, mama. It's schlocky and it tries very hard, but it's also like, I don't know, It's I'm probably too old for it, but I also, yeah. I love a dumb high school show. Sure. And this is all of those things, but also it totally glamorizes suicide. No, really? I hope not. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's a lot. Ugh. So that's not ideal, but he was also in a show called Mistresses on ABC. Oh, that's fun. keeping that relationship up, which is this very, let's say salacious looking show that I'm aware of because they always show the previews for Mistresses after episodes of The Bachelor, <laughs> which friends and I will binge watch from time to time. Sure. Not binge watch, but weekly watch, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I watch The Bachelor every week. <laughs> Tell me again how terrible American Horror Story is. I will. <laughs> One's about love, my friend. I'm not even. I'm not even fully. You, you should be. You should be fully I'm not, kidding. I'm not fully kidding. I'm half kidding. If you're not fully kidding, you are fully wrong. That's a half kid. That's I, a half. I can be kid. half wrong. That's fine. Oh my gosh. Paul Dooley was on my so-called life. That could be two episodes. I have not- I have not seen every episode of this show. Me neither. I watched the episode that was on November 10th, of 1994. Of course you did. Russ, where can people that, find it? I haven't done that in a while. It's on Hulu. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, this one, there was a school dance. And oh my goodness, John. Yeah? All of the high school drama that comes along with this school dance. Sure. Because boys want to be asked out by other boys and girls want to be asked out by boys and boys want to go with girls and girls want to go with boys and everybody's in love with somebody else and everybody's too shy to talk about their feelings and holy moly how did anybody ever survive high school now russ i do like most parties but i don't know if i'd like that party It sounds pretty tense. It's a Sounds lot. like no one's going home happy. They do not. There's a great scene where, so the character, we follow in this episode, we follow Claire Danes' nerdy neighbor, Brian Krakow, who is in love with Claire Danes. Played by Devin Gummersall from Nashville. Yes, yes, yes. 
We follow him, and he is too shy to ask out Angela Chase. Been there. Right. And then in comes this new girl, Celia, and Celia makes it clear that she is into him, and she wants to go to the dance with him. And so he, after it becomes kind of clear that Angela's not going to ask, uh, not going to go with him, he asks Celia. And so he Uh and Celia are going. Oh. And then, yeah, he and Celia are going. Cool. And then Angela becomes available because Uh, her plans fall through. Oh, no. So she is like, can I go with you and Celia to the dance? Oh, a thruple. A thruple. Exactly. Except it was before that word came out. Yeah. If it had been a thing, it would have been a high school show on at 8 o'clock on ABC with them being like, you know, like a thruple. Right, right, right. Uh, But so he says, yeah, sure, that sounds good. That sounds good? Well, then he breaks things off with Celia. But she said, can I go with the both of you? Angela said, yes, Angela said, can I go with the both of you? He doesn't want to go with the both of them. He just wants to go with Angela. Oh, well, okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. So he breaks things off with Celia. So this is a very special episode about flaking. Sure, he breaks Celia's heart. Of course he does. And he breaks it get... so hard, she's not even listed at IMDb, <laughs> which is oh, weird. I looked her up. She was in three episodes of My So-Called Life. She was also in a variety of things. She was in uh, Beekman's World for a while. <laughs> Nobody knows what that is, I assure you. That is not true. People love Beekman's World. Did you watch Beekman's World? I never Probably heard of not. it. Oh, it was a kid's science show. That sounds fun. Like Mr. It Wizard? so fun. Or Mr. Science? Yeah. Paul Buckman's yes. project? Yes, like Mr. Wizard and Mr. Science, yeah. He sounds like the Muppet Baby, though, Beaker. Yeah, they both have Beak in their names. You're right. Yeah, I can't take that seriously. Well, you're not supposed to because it's also supposed to be goofy and silly. One of the characters is a man in a rat suit, and he's- I love rats. He's wisecracking. My girlfriend loves rats. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we get a real kick out of rat puppets. What's that, Ratso All Rizzo? Of them? Yeah. No, but talking rats are funny for some reason. Sure. Like Tem- well, Templeton like is one of my favorite characters yep. from anything. Yep, Templeton's great. Voiced by Paul Lind, everyone, of course. Mm-hmm. And then Ratso Rizzo. Yep. Right, that's his name in yep. The Muppets. Mm-hmm. And then this guy, maybe I'd like now. Talking Actually, rat- you know what? No, it's Rizzo Ratso in The Muppets. Oh, right. Ratso Rizzo is the real name of, the, of Dustin Hoffman's is, character. It's Dustin Hoffman. Right, right. And they flipped it for The Muppet. Right, yeah. right. Also hysterical that they made that a Muppet. It's so funny. Hey, it's hey, such a remember- dark, insane character. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know that. That bleeding, like limping, sickly. <laughs> Friend of a gigolo <laughs> in Times Square in the 70s. Who dies on a bus at the end of a movie. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good puppet. <laughs> Here's his friend, Von Joy. Yeah, he's a gigolo for hire. <laughs> Wonderful. So, yeah. So, oh, this yeah, this is a very fun moment. Very, the whole show is so real. Mm-hmm. You can't even believe it. Really? Huh. Yeah. So, Brian Krakow breaks... Celia's heart mm-hmm. and then he shows up to pick up Angela and her parents are there mm-hmm. and Angela's like so where's Celia and he says oh actually she couldn't go you know her aunt is sick and it becomes <sighs> clear <sighs> that you know it's clear that it's just let he canceled on her so the parents knew and that the parents all three were going happen. as well though the parents expected all three to be going and then she sees it go poorly and the parents wind up just kind of talking in bed and they're just like did you see her face while they're doing they it are going to, they're, no 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 <laughs> they were not doing no <laughs> i mentioned it <laughs> when would i be so subtle to not mention well it might not be important sex? to the story especially when would i not be so subtle sure 
So what do they mention? So yeah, no, they're just like, did you see the look on her face when Celia wasn't there? They are going to have a horrible time. And they're just kind of like giggling to each that's other about it. That's funny. And I'm like, that's a really funny take. We don't see that side of parents very often yeah, on television shows. That's true. Where it's just like, where they, where, yeah. On teen shows. Yes, yeah, so we see the kids do their thing. And then we see the kids with the parents. We don't see the parents joking right. about the reality of the situation with the kid. Putting it all in perspective a little. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. none of this will matter. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the last scene, Celia and Wilson Cruz embrace their individuality and dance flamboyantly and become the stars of the dance, basically. Everybody looks and watches. and The lords oh, of the wow. dance, if you will? The lord. Yeah, yeah. They do a little Irish step. Well, that's cool. It's pretty neat. It's unexpected from Wilson Cruz. You're joking, to, uh, right? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm following your bit. Oh, it, it, yeah. it just sounded like a very quintessential 90s teen <laughs> drama moment. Everybody does a Lord of the Dance? No, just, you know, the dance like no one's watching. Well, that part does happen. Yeah, I know. Boy, oh boy, we are duping each other with... <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm lost. With what is real and what is uh, not. This bi-weekly thing's impossible. <laughs> the woman What's who impossible? created my so-called life wrote the musical book and screenplay for the movie Wicked that's coming? I don't know. That could be. Good for her. That's great. She's uh, interesting. I think a story editor on this show is Jason Kadams, who went on to do uh, Parenthood and Friday Night Lights. Ah, and... everyone loves those. I've never seen yeah. any of them. Yeah. And he also did Rise, which just got canceled. Just failed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was so excited and I never watched an episode and now it's gone. That's okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. That's how I felt about Enlightened. Watch Rise. Yeah, well. You can really savor that first season the way we all do with Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, yes, my so-called life, everybody. Such 90s nostalgia, it will make your heart burst. Oh, it's wonderful. Chest. So great. Loved it. John, what's in the news, bud? From WNBC-TV, this is News 4 New York with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Subway mugging is foiled by crowd. Ooh. It's a classic New York story. Great. A subway mugger got more than he bargained for yesterday when he was tackled by a good Samaritan who helped to hold him for the police. The victim, Elaine Cousin of Far Rockaway, was boarding a seat train at Utica Avenue about 8 a.m. when a man knocked off her glasses, snatched her pendant, and ran down a platform filled with about 50 other commuters. Quote, I was stunned, she said. I was able to start yelling for help. Help came along. Michael Woods, 28 of Brooklyn, said he heard her and saw a, quote, fellow running away. <laughs> Michael, Michael Woods of Brooklyn. That's all we get? Where specifically does he live? He's got to be British. Oh, yeah, I know. It's only the bad guys that give full information so that you can go <laughs> egg their apartment. <laughs> People on the platform were trying to trip and push him, he added. Quote, he was punching and kicking at the people. That's when I stepped in front of him. He cuffed me in the mouth. I wrestled him down to the ground. He cuffed you? You're right. He is British. He is, right? He's got to be. He cuffed me in the mouth. I wrestled him down to the ground. <laughs> John! I don't do a great one. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Others joined the fray. One held the suspect's feet. Another kicked him with metal-toed boots. <laughs> this guy's lucky he wow. wasn't killed before the cops got here. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. This suddenly got, like, another one took out a knife. Yeah. Because right. this is New York. <laughs> yeah. 
Sergeant George Jimenez of the transit police said that when officers arrived, the suspect was still struggling. Yeah, I'll bet he was. Yeah. He had 50 well, people God, beating frankly. him up. <laughs> the suspect, about 20, about 25 just, years old. Just, just as easily could have been when the cops arrived. He was dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> With a boot sticking out of the back of his head. <laughs> the suspect, this is funny because this is the opposite of what they normally do. This, they don't even know his age. About 25 years old, refused to give his name. <laughs> Wow. Quote, he's a hero, Sergeant Jimenez said of Mr. Woods. He acted quickly and decisively, not thinking of himself to help out someone who needed help. Mr. Woods said, I was just a citizen on the platform. <laughs> That's a really bad. I don't know why. <laughs> no, you know what? That sounds like he's a citizen on the platform. That accent is the accent of citizens of the platform. I don't know. Like that music some thing? strange. No, no. That's some strange country that you just made up in one way or another. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Dateline. No. <laughs> Neighborhood report. Chelsea. Self-appointed painter touches up the town. Scruffy street furniture beware. Alice Parsekian and her trusty paintbrush are out to get you. She's a civic-minded handywoman who helps tend a community garden near her apartment on West 34th Street. Her latest project? Painting mailboxes and hydrants along 20 blocks of 9th Avenue and nearby. The post office supplied blue and olive drab paint, she said. She did not exactly get permission to do the hydrants <laughs> in regulation black paint with aluminum on the top. Quote, like a Hershey's kiss. She said, it makes the whole street look different. Reactions vary. Quote, some people are very appreciative and others want to know. Do they know you're doing that? <laughs> that's so funny. And that's such a passive aggressive way to say, I don't like what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Do they know? Do they know you're doing that? Yeah. Is that also? Is this regulation? Like, is she worried that the fire department's gonna show up during a fire and they're gonna be like, "Where's the hydro? Where's the hydro? It's all chocolate kisses." It's a... <laughs> I think they'll figure I don't know where it the out. I the hydrogen is, but these look delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Ow, my teeth. Oh no. <laughs> oh, these are full of water. <laughs> and second date line. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Obituary, Alice Parsekian. Oh, no. Well, you know, she was 86, and I think it's a nice little tribute. Because <laughs> I Googled her name, and this came up. And it's okay. quite sweet. Caretaker, this was in the Villager, which is a little local uh -huh. neighborhood paper. Yeah. March 10 through 16, 2010. I guess it's a weekly paper. Oh, wow. Okay, so this was... Eight years ago. Eight years ago. Alice Parsekian, 86, caretaker and gardener on the sidewalks. A 50-year resident of West 34th Street, who became a legend as a gardener and caretaker of public space and street furniture in her West Side neighborhood, died January 31st at age 86. She was active and looking younger than her years until she suffered a stroke, said Carol King, whose family had known Alice since childhood. That's not the Carol King, right? I don't know. Is she alive? Yes. Oh, it's spelled the right way. Oh, yeah? Wouldn't it Any... say? Yes, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it say musician Carol King? Mus it, would, it might say, yes, the Carol King. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, she never stopped doing good work, said Mary Broderick, a friend and longtime resident of 10th Avenue near 34th Street. The Mary Broderick? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Mary Broderick from uh, the movie about the teenager. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She was a one-woman neighborhood improvement committee, but she never made anyone feel guilty for not working as hard as she did, said Kathleen Treat. Boy, these names are dynamite. That's a good one. But also, say what you just said. Say Kathleen Treat's quote. It's again. a little out there. She was a one-woman neighborhood uh -huh. improvement committee. 
Uh-huh. But she never made anyone feel guilty for not working as hard as she did. That kind of sounds like maybe like she, she did, did do that. And Kathleen Treat feels a little guilty. Why would anybody say that? Like, it's just such... That it sounds seem like, like an... Kathleen Treat was not pulling her weight. <laughs> that might be right? true. Maybe. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I never think of people, like, of that being a bit of leadership. Where just, she does so much, and she never makes anybody feel bad about doing less than her. That that's is a weird a, point to make. That's not a thing, unless no. this woman is actually going around. She's, yeah, it's on her mind, and she's not trying to speak ill of the dead. Right, right, right. in reality, right. this woman would just be like, boy, oh boy, can you believe how much I've done? How about you? How's it going? Oh, you've done so much and you haven't even sweated yet. <laughs> Among Alice's notable achievements was creating and maintaining a garden on space owned by the Port Authority. Ugh, God mm. bless you. On 34th Street between 9th and 10th Avenues, where an approach to the Lincoln Tunnel runs beneath the street. She also, te- this is like such a dumpy area that she was taking care of. Yeah. She also tended the garden much. area in front of the Midtown South Precinct Police Station at 35th, just east of 9th Avenue. It's a good suck-up tactic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what, what's going on there? Yeah. What's she up she's to? covering up a murder. Gotta, oh, I just wanted to tend your garden. Yeah, she's Thank buried bodies down there. Officers. Like yeah. her window. She, <laughs> she's shaking dirt out of her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> She was a familiar figure along 8th and 9th Avenues with paintbrushes and paint cans, repainting U.S. mailboxes that have been covered with graffiti. Indeed, the district postmaster of zip code 10011 recognized Alice's contribution, and so did Congress member Gerald Nadler, who bestowed a certificate of appreciation on her in 2001. Wow. Yep. Quote, Alice met my mother in 1936 at a summer camp, King said, at a mass for Alice at St. Michael's Church on West 34th. By 1939, they both became orphans when their parents died. Alice was born to Armenian parents who emigrated from Turkey and lived in the Bronx. After they died, she lived at the St. Agnes residence in the Bronx and became a Roman Catholic convert. She went to Taft High School in the Bronx. Okay, yeah. And then she, she, oh, she later moved to wet the Webster. Wait a second, wait a second. You're not going to tell us the name of her English teacher. <laughs> she worked as a secretary for the city department of health and for the state division of parole. But she wanted to travel, so she got a job as a secretary with the U.S. Army and was assigned to Germany, where she worked and traveled on vacations until 1953. Listen to this. She managed to visit eight countries and saw the coronation procession of Queen Elizabeth II from a London rooftop. Wow. Isn't that something? At her funeral mass at St. Michael's, members of the Midtown South Police Precinct were present, as well as community board four members. That's very nice. So everyone pour one out for Alice Parsekian, and we should all do a little more in our communities or let others do a lot and don't feel guilty about it. And don't feel bad about it. Yeah, that'll be my ammo, I think. Everybody go out yeah, and let's... find a buddy and you paint a mailbox and then yell at your friend for <laughs> yeah, not no. painting the mailbox. <laughs> and then 80 years later, die. <laughs> That's the plan. Now, this is a juicy one, my friend. This is the big finale. Okie dokie. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Officer who posed nude faces charges. Oh, my. This one's a little not safe for work, everyone. So if you listen to this with your kids, hide them. Hi. Hide your kids, everybody. Or, or hide yourself. Go in a closet. <laughs> what does Ira Glass say? He always says something when it's about to be a real dirty one. Yeah, I think he says go in your closet. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should have a podcast closet where they can listen to Not Safe for Work podcast without headphones. <laughs> also, this won't really be that dirty. 
The police have filed departmental charges against a Bronx police officer who put the department in the pages of Playboy magazine. The officer, Carol Shia, was served on October 28th with papers accusing her of improper use of the police department logo and unauthorized employment. Basically, because she got a hundred grand from Playboy magazine to pose with her NYPD uniform in various states of undress. Wow. A picture of Officer Shia, partly clothed in a blue uniform blouse, was displayed on the cover. So, I fell down a Carol Shia hole. Yeah, I'll bet you did. I sure did. Ten years later, 2004, New York Times. It's called Following Up. The NYPD nude enjoys work again. She had some pictures taken, and the results were both lucrative and costly. Ten years ago this month, Carol Shia was a 25-year-old New York City police officer who was on the cover of Playboy magazine and in a big picture layout inside. The cover, with the title NYPD Nude, showed her in a most... Okay, we got it. (laughs) Oh, so such a, like, florid piece of writing. I'm cutting to the chase. These days, Miss Shia is working as a real estate agent and talking about a return to acting. (laughs) Yes? I'm just laughing at... Ooh, okay, a cop. Oh, a cop who posts nude. Blah, blah, boring, boring, yada, yada. Ooh, let's cut to the chase. Now she's a real estate agent. (laughs) This is where it gets good. (laughs) Go for it. Returned to acting, which she pursued for several years, along with modeling after she was fired. She starred in a film, Silent Prey, released only as a video, in which she played an undercover detective investigating rapes at a women's college. Oh, God. I know. Isn't that the most insane well, yes, it is, but also you're just like, a film. It went straight to video, and I'm thinking, all oh, I'm just okay, yeah, uh huh, yeah, okay, Playboy cop does no, straight hey, to the, Russ, and like, here's and the big you're twist. Like, you're like, time out, it's a rape movie. No, hi, Russ, real twist, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is an adult movie. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh man, it's not oh, man. tasteless. <laughs> I definitely, are you sure? Well, it's on YouTube with Russian subtitles. <laughs> I think. I think they're Russian subtitles. Oh, man. Uh, let me finish your resume, though. She appeared on television in New York Undercover and did an off-Broadway play called Grandma Sylvia's Funeral. <laughs> oh, you know what I didn't do, though? What's that? <laughs> I did not look her up in the off-Broadway database. I'm ashamed, but go ahead. I am, too, because <laughs> for all we know, she acted alongside a Mad About You guest star. That's a great point. She doesn't even come up. Oof. Oh, she was in Grandma Sylvia's funeral. Ah, here it is. Soho Playhouse. 1990. Wow, it ran for four years. People love it. People wow. really want. People really didn't like Grandma Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> Good riddance. Let's see who we got here. Any actors I recognize? Any, any, none, none, none. Big cast. I can't believe they stayed open that long. How'd they pay all these people? Barry Weinberger, maybe? Oh, I'm reading the. Oh, there's many casts. Yeah, well, three years. Sure, sure. Okay, all right. <laughs> oh, Lee Merriweather. Okay. <laughs> you guys can't even imagine how long the list of names I'm scrolling through is. All right. Well, that was pointless. Anywho. <laughs> anywho. But the acting business was really tough, she said last week, and she grew to dislike the modeling business. So two years ago, she began selling houses with a Queens agency, calling the work enjoyable and, quote, definitely lucrative. But she also likes acting and plans to seek roles again. Yada, yada, yada. I moved on pretty quickly and I found... Okay, there's a lot of interesting clips on YouTube that you should all take some time to watch. 
I'll bet. There's a Howard Stern segment. Okay. Where he makes a very funny niche joke about her movie that she's plugging. And he goes, oh, who's man. producing it? Ivan Reitman? <laughs> <laughs> that really cut me up. It's, anyone who can use Ivan Reitman in an aggressively condescending way is pretty funny. If anybody can do it, it's Howard. And then the film itself, <laughs> it's on YouTube. But under its, I don't know if they changed the name or what the deal is, but it's called Silent Predator. Okay. And it came out I in guess. 1997. So it went from Silent Prey, which is a pun. Right. To, no, opposite, Silent Predator. Yes. But then in the billing on the film, it's Silent Prey. So I don't know. Maybe the Russians I, were like, no, yeah. we don't like this title. No. Yeah. It's, it's a good movie, but the title's it's, it's, very it's, bad. It's weak. Yeah, yeah. The title's weak. It's, yeah. Now, well, Predator, I, that's a good movie. Predator, so yeah. strong. <laughs> yeah. This is about an invisible criminal yeah. who, who kills schoolgirls in the jungle. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. So what's interesting about this film, <laughs> I watched, I jumped around out of curiosity. She seems... Oh, now look who's watching I Well, how could I not? <laughs> she seems to catch the guy, or a guy... Very quickly. <laughs> so I don't know what the conflict is after that, or if it's not the guy, or if there's multiple guys, but she definitely catches one of the guys at least pretty fast. I don't know where the movie goes from there. Yeah. One of the interesting aspects of the film is, oh, yeah, no, that's right. There's, so there's a disgusting scene. It's sort of a cruising situation. You see that? Al Pacino film where he goes undercover in the I'm familiar yeah with in the it. village yeah to catch a serial killer she goes undercover as a schoolgirl it's like I've never been kissed right but I'm gonna get kissed a lot right oh man <laughs> so she's on the subway platform <laughs> and it's this really like chintzy looking scene and she's in the, the like outfit but she's like clearly an adult <laughs> you know yeah and then this creep comes over and starts to be a pain and then she like destroys him and it's very it's a good great scene that sure but the undercurrent of this film is that she's Jewish and she's undercover at a Catholic school. So there's wow. an, ad- so it's also school ties. There's, Oh, is that what that's about? It's about Brendan Fraser being a Jewish kid. Okay. So silent prey. Yes. Silent prey is cruising meets school ties. <laughs> no joke because <laughs> the clash of cultures does come up in the film. My favorite line is she's studying with another schoolgirl. Catholic schoolgirl, and she's like, you, you're so different. It seems like you never even went to a church before. Cool guy, this Jesus, saving homeless people like that, making miracles. I guess that's one way of looking at it. What? What'd I say? I don't know. It's just, it just seems like, like you've never been to church before. Susan, I, I, I don't. You're different than any girl I've ever known. I can't put my finger on it. But I like you. Together, we're going to make you an A student. Oi, talk about miracles. And then wow. she's like, we're going to study a lot, and we're going to get you some high grades or whatever. And then mm. she responds, high grades? Oi, talk about miracles. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who have been looking for an aggressively Jewish goddess <laughs> of the big screen. We got one. We got one. Lieutenant. (laughs) (laughs) So she's fascinating. This is great. Yeah. And she was a thing. 
it's very likely, Russ, I think, that if you were in New York in this time and you said that name, people would know what you were talking people about. People would know. Are they at least the name again? She's the Stormy Daniels of nineteen ninety four New York. That's kind of how it sounds. Yeah. What's her name one more time? Carol Shia. But she just changed her name recently. Recently? Yes, to a very... Oh, for real estate purposes. Yeah. <laughs> no, to a very Israeli name. Oh. I forgot what it was. It's I've never heard... Oh, Sigalit? Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah. <laughs> I love a Netanyahu joke. <laughs> Sigalit? Okay. You know that name? Nope. Okay. Well, who cares? Anyway. Great. Yeah. Who cares what her real name is? Everyone leave her alone. But go leave watch Silent Prey on YouTube. <laughs> 11,821 other people have... They can't be wrong. <laughs> that's all the news that's fit to print. Fantastic. Love it. Love it, John. Wonderful. Okay, let's right, get to this so stupid episode. Let's, I'm kidding. Stu- I'm kidding. I liked it. I loved this. You loved it? I loved this. This is a topper for me. A topper? Are you out of your mind? No. Oh, I'm very much in my mind. Fascinating. For me, it was a fine middle. Interesting. Or worse, I- actually. That's so weird. I totally thought that you would love this episode. It was directed by David Steinberg. Hello, David. The Steinberg. Jewish Steve Martin. Welcome back again. Yeah. And a new writer, if I'm not mistaken. Liz Co. Yeah. Yes, she is a prolific TV writer mm-hmm. who I feel like this show has come up before. She was the creator. I'm clicking on IMDb to pull it up. Of she was not the creator, but she wrote 42 episodes of Ryan's Hope. Haven't we talked about that before, that Irish Upper West Side yes. show? I don't remember why we talked about it. I think we covered... Wait, was, did we talk about that? Or was that... When was it from? When was it out? 1975 through 89. Oh, then... That's we 14 years of Irish drama. Oof. I'm trying to remember if we covered it in like... No, well... I feel like an actor. It was 92. Yeah, I feel yeah, like an actor was on it. Interesting. Which one? I have no idea. But also... So worked on that. Every actor was on it, just looking at it. Sounds like... Louis it. Zurich. Oh, great. 13 episodes. That's Detective Jones. I would love... Oh, man. The poor man's Columbo. (laughs) Not poor man. You know, just... I'm like, Columbo is the poor man's Columbo. (laughs) How? Oh, yeah. Because that coat and that car? Kind of his thing. That's his thing. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have time for money. (laughs) Yeah. So she wrote on that. She She goes way back. She did this series called Family that I never heard of. Finder of Lost Loves. Have you ever heard of this one? No. What is this? Carrie Maxwell is a private investigator and owner of Maxwell Unlimited, who specializes in helping people find their lost loves. Each week, Maxwell, along with Daisy Lloyd and Rita Hargrove, this sounds like this sounds like Charlie's Angels, but like love stories. Yeah, but a, uh, a rom-com. That's interesting. That sounds kind of good. One season. Must have been great. Yeah. <laughs> and Cagney and Lacey, she won an Emmy for it. Oh, cool. Wow. For writing on that. And she got nominated for Mad About You, for which she wrote. Oh, no, she worked on 24 episodes. I don't know how many she wrote. So we are in the um, hands of an Emmy Award winning writer. Great. Yeah, I love what she did here. Some very different things from both a writing and directorial perspective. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Yeah. So this. Oh, okay. I don't have a clever way to say this. So we, we solicited feedback, of course, our thoughts from our listeners before we recorded this. Oh, yes. Tracy, lovely listener who wrote us that email. We'll agree with Hello you. Again, Tracy. This is one of her favorite episodes. Great. There we go. And she said, I don't know if you're familiar with the Alan storyline, but it's one of the funniest parts of Mad About You, which I guess means there's more of this. We see Alan again. I don't remember that. Eric Stoltz, Pretty huh? Cool. He comes back. Yeah. Well, here. Because he's not the he painter, got... right? No. Different guy. That was a different ex. I am 99% sure that Eric Stoltz plays 
the character with whom Jamie well, later she uh, if that's a different guy that's Doug Burkus yes but I'm pretty sure it's also played by Eric Stoltz is that correct I have no uh, do you want to check I yeah if you don't mind what happens if wow if I type in Doug Burkus mad about you comes up very good Google go. Bradley White <laughs> you're wrong interesting wow I've been hating Eric Stoltz specifically really? for this show for a very long time wow you it's time to forgive him I'll also say this whole episode, my expectations of the episode were colored by the fact that I thought that Jamie wound up with him later. Like, I thought that he was the guy Wait. that she cheats oh, on sure, sure, with sure. later. And so I'm just like, is that how this is going to go? What happens at the end of the, What happens later right, in this episode? Right, right, right. This episode is largely about a fight. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know what the fight is about. Nope. For the entire episode. Correct. And I thought it was about something huge. Oh, that's funny. Because of Eric Stoltz. That's very funny. So if I had thought that it was just some guy, it may have been a lot less. Yeah, it's just some guy. Yeah. Who I like, quite honestly. Interesting. Yeah, I think he seems like a cool guy. (laughs) Very cool guy. We'll get there. And uh, we also got, okay, so maybe you can connect the dots. So this is funny. So for those of you who follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Mad About You Pod on both, FYI. We get a lot of feedback from uh, our listener, Mac Jackson, who's a podcaster himself. He's got the MacGyver podcast and the Never Gets Old podcast, but they're both great, both great on iTunes. Hi, Mac. They're great. He has uh, an encyclopedic knowledge of this show yes. and loves to correct us, <laughs> which is fun. It's a fun dynamic because we make him crazy with inaccuracies, and then he yep. gives us the info, which we get in an effortless free manner. Yes. He tweeted at us. He said, this is the, so he loves connecting the show to MacGyver. And he was like, here's the MacGyver connection for the week. Did you watch that video he sent, Russ? I did. Okay, so did I. It's a fan cut trailer that some MacGyver fan cut together about some guy named Murdoch being dead. And it's very funny. And I can't tell if the person cutting it together meant it to be funny. But it keeps cutting between he's dead. He's not dead. I think he's dead. He might be dead. It's my Jackie Mason. He died yesterday. He died Tuesday. He died Sunday. He died. When did he die? He's not dead. He's here. He's here. He's dead. (laughs) My favorite line from the trailer said by a woman. John, I thought it was kind of funny. I didn't think it was half as funny as it is when you do Jackie Mason. (laughs) My favorite line from this this trailer, which is a quote from a MacGyver episode, I guess, is this woman saying to some guy, but Murdoch is dead. His body was found in the river at the bottom of a mine shaft. (laughs) (laughs) this poor guy's body (laughs) yeah also what do rivers run through bottoms of mine shafts this one did (laughs) well good thing they found him before he went out to sea so how are you gonna keep the mine cool you idiot (laughs) but murdoch doesn't go to bars (laughs) it's true listen (laughs) yeah that's a callback to that's a mad about mark devenow's dirty joke (laughs) Can you explain the connect? Uh, listen, Mac, I don't get it. <laughs> Maybe Russell gets it. Oh, well. Eric Stoltz not in that the, trailer. No, but Wendy Malick is. Wait, was that her with that line? Yes. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> oh, this must be very satisfying for you, Mac. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm pretty sure she said the line. I know she was in it. She if probably was- said the line. If there's more than one woman in the trailer, I don't remember. I can't but... imagine there is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How could that possibly be the yeah. case? 
Yeah, I don't think MacGyver was hailed for its... Wow, Wendy Malick, one episode. That must have been it. There you she go. She played Cindy Finnegan. Yeah, she had the line of the episode. That I was so, I think, distracted by the language right, that I didn't even paying. care. Sure. I rewatched that small part <laughs> and wrote it down because <laughs> I thought it was so funny. But Murdoch is dead. His body was found in the river at the bottom of a mineshaft. <laughs> <laughs> Full of water. What? A, yeah, right. And gold. Like, it sounds like it was written by a third grader, right? And who just turned in. But Murdoch is dead. And then back in red pen, it came back with like, "How did he die? Right? Where? Where is he? <laughs> yes. On to, where is he in relation to a mine shaft? Yeah. Well, and the kid was question like, mark. "I don't want to. I want a name. river? Question yeah. mark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that is yeah. Mac. Remember, the assignment for the week is to write a story about a river and a mine shaft. Uh, so then they just jam those two words into the sentence <laughs> in order to get the A. I also like the river. It's yeah. the river, but a mine shaft. A As if this river, ah! everyone knows the river, but there's so many mine shafts we can't possibly narrow down <laughs> which mine shaft he was found at the bottom of. Oh, my God. What was in them? Quartz, coal. This is nonsense. That's so funny. Uh, very impressive connection, Mac. I have to say. Well done. Anyway, well done, well that done. was a fun... I, 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 we'll do this again. Absolutely. It's nice having people uh, comment before we record. It's fun. Yes, it wasn't done through uh, professional means at all, but uh, our uh, podcast legal counsel, listener Adam Gutbazal, took me to task in regards to my knowledge of Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18 of the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> How did we summarize it? Congress makes the laws? I think that's what you said. And is that not right? <laughs> if you can believe it, it's a little more nuanced than that. I don't think it is. <laughs> no, of course it is. But we distilled it to what I... Did he say it was wrong? He didn't have to. <laughs> well, for me, he has to. <laughs> Make your arguments public, I guess, Adam. This, these are the... Methods. I got them all. I got them all. <laughs> yeah, First Amendment. Say what you want. <laughs> and get together with friends. <laughs> oh my gosh. Great, great, great. So, Article 2. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Amendment 2. Amendment 2. So, we start this episode with no cold open. Yeah, it's one of those. Yes, we start instead. In fact, we are in media res. We start in the middle of the episode. Yeah. Which is a lovely thing to do. Sure. Paul and Jamie get into a cab. They say a few quick goodbyes. Yeah, then they get into the backseat of a cab. It's interesting. They... Oh, I know who they're saying goodbye to. Who? The happy couple they meet at the party. Probably, yeah. That's fun. I like that connection. Yeah. That's the main part I, I think I like about this episode. About this? We're done now? But that checks out, yeah. It... <laughs> Because I was thinking, who would be down, you know, someone that left with them? Because no no host would come down right. in New York to the street. Right. Well, that we meet, there are other people in this party who they know. Yeah, but not in a way where they would talk like that. Like, it's that very, like, kind of fakey. Sure. Bye. Bye now. Okay. Great. Okay, yes. Yeah. So they are saying goodbye to a couple that we have not yet met. Correct. With. And they get into the back of the cab, and they sit silently for 17 seconds. Okay. Are we going to do that now? Oh. No, we, <laughs> do you have a clip? <laughs> I don't have this clip. I have clips later, though. Thank God. Jamie breaks the silence by saying, how could I know? Yeah, yeah. How did... Did you not like this part? Why would I like it? This was so it's just set up. real. Have you ever had a cab ride like that? No. Bless you. Wait, what do you mean? 
You've never had where a someone had a where, big where you've mistake, had a fight, or an argument, and you're sitting uncomfortably with somebody, and you're both kind of quiet. Not that I can remember. Maybe I have, but I, I it's gone. What a charmed life you. I mean. guess so. You know. <laughs> yeah, this is very real. I'm watching, and I'm just like, ooh, oh boy. Oh, so this oh, made it, you laugh. Yes, it made me laugh. It made me uncomfortable. It was both of those wow, things. Wow, that's the dream. And yeah, Liz which Co. Is why. Bravo. Yeah, for sure. Rocco. So yeah, so Jamie yells, how could I know? And then we flash back and the screen says, earlier that night. And Paul and Jamie are arriving at Fran's apartment. And we learn that Jamie's hair is, uh, she's mad about her hair because uh, she asks Paul how it is. She says it's not flat. He says, no, not at all. She says it's supposed to be. Yeah, men don't get hair. <laughs> we do not. That happened to me the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember. And then... <laughs> I couldn't remember first. I remember it happened, but I was like, wait, with who? Wow. No, I was hanging out with my friend, and she had a new, like, her hair was curly. And okay. I was like, oh, I love curly hair. But she was like, oh, yeah. this is just, like, no effort. Like, <laughs> she prefers the straight hair. And I was like, well, isn't that funny? I've always preferred curly hair, and that's usually the easy hair for girls. Who knew? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Again. We're relating to this episode all over Charmed the place. life. <laughs> so Lisa meets them at the door immediately after they enter, and they have a gift. She puts her name on Paul and Jamie's gift. Great move. And then presents it to Fran saying, this is from yes, us. Yes, I haven't done that part, but I do this all the time. This is great. Because you don't always know when the gifts are happening. Sure. They always happen on TV. Or if they're necessary. Also, there's no way that Lisa's giving a gift of her own accord. Oh, definitely not. But like what adult needs birthday presents, right. not from like a loved one. You know what I mean? Sure. Come sure. on. A birthday yeah, yeah. party? What are you, six years old? <laughs> I get it, though. She's going through a divorce. She is. We learned that it is Fran's first party without Mark. Yeah. And it is her birthday. Also, the kid is just gone, gone. to the wind. Yeah. No sign. <laughs> no sign of Ryan. Yep, He's at West Point. Or something. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a long time for Fran to not have a party. Am I wrong? Well, just because we haven't been to it. Hey, Russ, I didn't want to say anything, but... I think maybe we weren't invited to the last couple. You know, I'm sure you're right. But also, she says, it's my first party without Mark. That's the line in the episode. He left when? The end of the last season? End of the first season. Oh, we're in season three already? Yeah. <laughs> well, you got me. Yeah, it seems very... I'm like, they used to do stuff all the time. Timeline doesn't check out, but... It seems like she would do a thing. Oh, but they were friends also, kind of, after. So maybe he was at the last one, but they weren't together. Maybe. I don't know. I was there. It was a blast. <laughs> You were, oh, now this hurts even more. Whoops. <laughs> Paul says, uh, you look nice. Your hair looks nice and flat. Fran says, what? Paul says, you told me that was good. Yeah, yeah, he gets in. He, he steps in it again. Steps in it again. So Fran goes to deal with the waiters because she's got waiters at her house I party. I love that. <laughs> I love a good, like, service people moment amongst the rich. The one of my favorite moments from television You'll probably remember it because it's so good. It's when on The Sopranos, when Carmela hires, what's his name? The restaurant dude and his wife, Charmaine. Artie Bucco. Artie and Charmaine to uh -huh. cater some party they're having. Right. And she calls Charmaine over to help with some food thing. Yeah. And they shoot it from the perspective of Carmela's like POV. So you just see her big finger like waving Charmaine over to her in the <laughs> yes, most condescending. Oh, it's that. so, it's so illustrative of that like dynamic. <laughs> oh, 
Gosh, that's a good show. It sure is. But so, they didn't have a Rashomon party episode, so. That's true. So who, who Actually, cares? this isn't Rashomon, but it's something. Nope, we still have not properly used Rashomon. <laughs> that's our thing, isn't it? I say we have. <laughs> yeah, we'll see the different perspectives. And <laughs> you'll just, you've got a, a mortarboard on and you're teaching everybody about what a Rashomon is. <laughs> a mortarboard? Yeah. Is the, that a chalkboard? Uh, graduation, graduation hat. Oh, why? You know how teachers wear. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Yeah, because I'm Groucho Marx. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So Fran goes to What's deal with the, the waiters. <laughs> Swordfish. <laughs> Hi, Dad. All right. So Fran goes to deal with the waiters who are bunching. Yes. Instead of circulating. She's right. And Paul and we Jamie got a real go party down situation. Yes. Paul and Jamie go to talk to a couple, and they cannot remember the names of the couple. Yes, they're very. Oh, are you about to play a clip? Yes. We go back from our honeymoon. I was so good about sitting right down and writing all of our thank you notes. I helped. Yes, he offered to mail them. See, I figured I'll drop them off at the post office on my way to the gym. So, and that is zest. What is that? It's the zest story, right? Yes, it is. Oh, we love that story. Tell it again. No, 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 no. I sensed that. Great. They call them from across the party. Yes. And they're the peppy couple. Yeah, and we just heard the zest story. Oh, yeah, this don't runner. about the Zest story. You don't, So you're not in on the Zest story idea. I don't know because it doesn't really hold. Does the story really hold your attention the way? Like if they were plotting it out and it had a little bit of a hook to it, I'd be kind of curious and that would keep me interesting. But the story seems to be completely pointless. They do get hung up on the details, both which I get is the point in a way, but, right. you know, no, yes. not a big fan. But I do this, like the payoff at the end. Yes, it's great. I love what the Zest story does. Yeah, we all have a Zest story, don't we? We should, Type yours up us. and send it over to madaboutyoupod at gmail.com. <laughs> the thing about them talking about the Zest story here in this scene is it is clear that they have already told the story to the couple. The couple right. stops them. right. And for me, personally, if I were to be Paul or Jamie in this, and they were to catch me and say, like, oh, yeah, we know that story, I'd be like, well, get ready, because you're about to hear that story again, because I can't stop once that... Yeah, Russ, <laughs> once they that know. Gets... They listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you know... So this couple's name is Doris and Doris's husband, yes. <laughs> according to Paul. Do you know who plays Doris? No. Judith Hogue. No way. Wait, you know who that is just by the name? Nope. Oh, oh, that was very convincing. <laughs> You'll recognize this name. One April O'Neill. Oh my gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Now that you mention it, I do recognize Judith Hogue. Isn't that yes, fun? She was April in the original Ninja Turtles. That's movie. right. Yeah. And she's uh, Denise in Armageddon. She's been in some cool movies. She's an uncredited medical resident in A Nightmare on Elm Street when it was redone. <laughs> Frankly, now I'm really bummed that I didn't recognize her from... I'm shocked that you didn't. From Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Oh, and she's also been on Nashville a bunch. Cool. Interesting. Oh, Nashville came up from a different show. Never mind. Private practice. Boy, she's her resume is a mile long. This woman... She's doing great. And she's so funny in it, too. And the dude is Mr. Vince Grant, who looks very serious in his headshot. Uh -huh. Seeking a friend for the end of the world. Dream girls. You know, character actor. Love Happens? Does that ring a bell? I don't know if it does, actually. Nope. Dracula Dead and Loving It. He played the intern. I don't know what that Great. is, but I know the movie. 
Sure. That's Mel Brooks, right? That is Mel Brooks. That's right. And then, I think that's his last movie. I think you might be right. He did a West Wing, but after the Sorkin years, so we don't know it as well. A Six Feet Under, etc. Cool. Attaboy. Yeah. Oh, was Seinfeld. He played Hal in The Nap. Great. An episode I didn't really remember. I had to look it up, which is sad. It means, you know, it's fading. It's starting to fade. Yeah. That's the one where George sleeps under his desk. Right. That's a good one. And I think Hal must, is Elaine's boyfriend, maybe. It says Hal, his, her boyfriend buys her a mattress, which I don't remember. Is that the one where she thinks her boyfriend's homeless? Oh, no, it's maybe. the lumbar support. Oh, it's lumbars. There's also the one where Kramer swims in the river, the East River, because of his back. Okay. Yep. So, like, that whole side of the episode's obsessed with, like, lower lumbar support or something. Right. I think this guy plays the guy who's obsessed with lumbars. Lumbar. You still got it. Yeah, yeah, I still got it. Okay. <laughs> I'm back, Phew. baby. So, the couple walks away. They have been very annoying and very inseparable. And Paul says, didn't that used to be two people? Yeah. I like this couple. I think I'd have a lot of fun with them. You think so? Yeah, I'm kind of like them at parties, to be honest. Sure. No, yeah, I mean, it's nice. That's uh, you, a... Well, you do things with a person who, whom you're with, with your partner, mm-hmm. and you have the same stories, and you're comfortable sharing them. Yeah, That's right. That's thing that happens, totally. It's very fun. It makes me feel like I'm in a Woody Allen movie every time. <laughs> Two people that can't help but talk over each other a little. Well, you're going to have to be careful, because I would love... Movie, Russ, not real life. No, but I would love for you to like to have a conversation like that, and then be like... Go over and be like, I would just like to formally apologize. <laughs> I'm gonna be donating the proceeds from that conversation. Oh sure. To... <laughs> no, this is a thing. I actually still owe money. Did I tell you about this? No. Yeah, I still owe money. <laughs> I promised my girlfriend that if I went, if I went to see a, what was that last one he did a couple ago set in Wonder Hollywood? Wheel? No, no. Gosh, oh. no. the one before that, High Society okay. or something. Okay. Whatever it was, it was set in old oh, Hollywood. Yeah, cafe. Cafe uh, Society. Cafe Society. Yeah. I was like, I'll donate an equal amount to a charity that helps yeah. those who are victims of right. sexual abuse. And uh, I went twice because it's such a good movie. Uh-huh. So now I owe. I haven't paid it. Well, plus inflation. Okay, take it easy. <laughs> Thanks, Trump. The economy's doing great. <laughs> well, easy now. <laughs> so, so Fran comes over. She's eating from a crystal bowl of nuts. That is absolutely intended to be shared. Right. That's very funny. And she insists that, well, I'll tell you what happens now, is we go, something very interesting happens in the storytelling of this episode. I can't wait to find out what it is. So we go from this scene Mm -hmm. of Paul and Jamie talking to Lisa Mm -hmm. about how we're not like that annoying couple. Right. And then we cut, we smash cut to Paul and Jamie in the back of the cab. Right. And they are quiet. Right. And they are tense. And they make small talk about Fran looking good. And it is tense. Okay. And then we cut back. We smash cut back to the party. And Paul is saying, how could anyone say we're like Doris and Doris's husband? All of that happens with no laugh lines. Normally when you cut to a new scene, music, there's a laugh line. There's something. That's the innovation. For Mad About It wasn't funny. For a sitcom? First off. To build tension like that? To break up a... Hey, that's their MO on this show. Shut up. It is. You want to talk about camera... This is the worst example of that on this show to date. You're telling me they do this a lot. All the time. They almost never go for the joke. 
between scenes. We don't go from an interior to an exterior or from an earlier that day to a later that day without some sort of bram bam bram bam. Oh, no, you're right. Or a, I'm going, okay, okay, I'll leave the notes on the chair, okay? <laughs> bram, bam, 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 bam. Now Wait, is that from one? No, but I... <laughs> that right. was insane. <laughs> I'll leave the notes on the chair, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy who's found at the bottom of mine shaft. <laughs> no, you're right. That's true. I'm sorry. I didn't that understand. That doesn't happen here. And by not doing that, uh-huh. it builds tension. Oh, does it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. It does for me. Sure didn't for me. Also, <laughs> you had mentioned in the cab, Jamie wonders if Fran liked her present. Right. Do we ever find out what that present is? I don't think we do. Yeah, so it's just BS nothing. Well, two things. One, it could be a genuine question. It but, is. I'm sure it's a genuine question. But two, it probably isn't a genuine question. Oh. That's the... Because, <laughs> yeah, two is the opposite of one. That's the kind of benign... Right, right, right. Nonsense Small question. talk. That you reach for right. when you are just trying to fill a void. Yeah, that's what I would say about that scene. It fills a void. It fills a void. But for you, it built tension. It did. You would it love did. space. It purpose. It's <laughs> so Paul and Jamie decide to prove to themselves that they can exist independently from each other. And so they both go in different directions. Just like Seinfeld. Paul. Yeah. Different motive, but same. Yes. Listen, I know I wasn't a huge fan of this episode. My favorite sitcom trope is separating at parties and cutting back and forth. It's fun. It's fun. It can be fun. <laughs> Not here. Uh, you know, up and down. <laughs> so we follow Paul. He approaches a group of people and the group of people are ending a story by saying one of them says, so I said, you can't say that. This is Pennsylvania. Uh <laughs> This and they guy. all laugh. It killed me. They all laugh, and then the whole and pack he of laughs. Four of them. Yeah, that's what's great. Guy, he tries to get in on it by laughing at it, hoping they'll Paul be does, like, yeah. "Oh, isn't that funny?" Yeah, that moment made me one. It made me wonder, but I was just like, I saw that, and I'm like, "How does anybody meet new people?" Yes, no, I know it's very hard. How does anybody talk to anybody? Yeah, you have to take an improv class, I think. You basically do. Yeah. Because that's, it's, I'm very fortunate in that respect in that I have met a very good amount of new people. Or join the army. And those are your two choices. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pick door number one. Buy a salami for your boy in the <laughs> improv class. <laughs> oh my gosh. This guy, Pennsylvania, is played by Tyrese Allen. Okay. Who is Starkweather from Robocop. Oh, wow. And has been on a million TV shows again, you know, Brothers and... Oh, Brothers and Sisters. I think I would like that show. I think you would, too. Yeah. <laughs> he also played Westmoreland in a I production... I don't know who that is or what that is. Oh, and Henry IV. Oh, okay. In Lincoln Center, the big production where uh, Kevin Klein played Falstaff. Oh, how neat. In 2004. Audra McDonald was in it. Ethan Hawke. That's right. He played it's Hal. quite a That's cast. Right, yeah. yeah. Would have loved to see that. Never will. Oh, they probably have it on tape, actually. You might. And then, interestingly enough, he was also in Aida, which comes up later in this episode. It does. It surely does. Yep. So they got a hell of an actor <laughs> to do that one line. <laughs> to do that joke. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, we hear and then see Ira. Ira's there. Yes, finally. Now it's a fun party. There we go. The party showed up. Paul calls Ira Splinky. He does? Oh, yep. yeah. Hey there, Splinky. Yeah, he shows up with Splinky. What is Splinky? I looked it up. Yes. 
TV character nickname. Did you look it up in the Oyvin dictionary? <laughs> Great. We're going to learn what it is more officially later in the series. Oh, but okay. Here's the backstory. Okay. When Ira and Paul were kids, they tried on female clothing. <laughs> Ira tried on a woman's bikini bottoms, and his private parts, Ew. or his uh, splinky, fell out. Oh, that's a disgusting story. Well, there you go. This uh, I didn't write it. This is what the story is. Yeah, but I gave a, a whole big warning for just a lovely story about a former officer, now actress, who was in a, uh, a film about religious conflict. A lovely story. Yeah. <laughs> this is a disgusting story. <laughs> so, yeah, Ira thinks Paul and Jamie are... Uh, oh, yeah, so uh, that happened. I'm sorry. We get more information on that story later in the series? I think so. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm just... You know what? It's, I'm out. <laughs> you're out? <laughs> I'm out. Podcast over? If that's where this is going, I'm out. <laughs> Oh, man. So Ira thinks that Paul and Jamie are fighting. Right. As he says, because she's there and you're here. Yeah. And Ira wants Paul to be his wingman because a couple of women walked by. Hubba hubba. So he wants, yeah. So it is on for Ira. Paul doesn't want to do it because he says he's not good at it anymore. Paul uh, insists. He says, don't tell her I'm a director. Ira says, but it works. Paul says, yeah, for you. With Loretta the singer, I got 20 minutes of South Pacific on my answering machine. Yeah. <laughs> they love a musical reference. They do. They do. They do. So Paul decides he's going to pretend to be a doctor. This is very reminiscent of the George and Jerry yes. art vandalay scene. Yes, absolutely. Iris says, excuse me, ladies, have either of you seen my wife? The girl says no. Iris says, well, that's good because I'm not married. This is a weird joke. Why? It's great. Very sexy. Very sexy pickup line. This works for you? Yeah. <laughs> Big time. All right. I'll let him know. <laughs> why, why do you think it's weird? I don't just I just the idea of have you have either of you seen my wife is a strange way oh, to Russ, you gotta relax a little. Hey, didn't I say is the first thing I said a while ago, how does anybody meet anybody? Yeah, right, that's how. Well here you go. And then I I'm love like, this no, move. Not believable, doesn't make sense. Yeah, he should have just stayed home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he goes, Here, let me buy you dinner and he grabs a whole tray yeah. of our derbs. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> that's fun. That is smooth as hell. So these actresses are, so it's Tracy and Carol, I believe, right? Uh, I believe that's correct. Yes, Tracy and Carol. Tracy is played by, I don't know how to say her name. It's Sanait Ashinafi. That's definitely how you pronounce it. Right. She is an Ethiopian actress. She had a brief time in Hollywood. Okay. Oh, she attended high school in Tallahassee. I feel like Great. somewhere it said she was born in Ethiopia. What was her English teacher's name? Oh, yeah. One sec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was born in 1966 in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. She's an Ethiopian African-American model, singer, and actress, perhaps best known to TV audiences as Keisha Ward on General Hospital from 94 to 98. Oh, wow. She also appeared as a tryout model on The Price is Right for 15 to 20 episodes in 1990. She's the daughter of an Ethiopian composer and ethnomusicologist, Ashinafi Kabede, and the sister of Nina Ashinafi Richardson, a judge in Florida. Cool. I know, right? But then, I arrest in November 2012. Oh, boy. She was arrested at Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport on charges of public intoxication. Witnesses on a flight said that she pushed a flight attendant during a verbal outburst that had her seated in coach instead of first class. Oh, that I get. Uh, uh, you should see me. <laughs> oh no, they determined she was a danger to herself and others. I went, I don't know. Doesn't that mean sometimes you get committed for a night? Maybe just for a night. I think these things may be different. She was thrown off the airplane 
and there was she was drunk. Yeah, that's a different yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a salacious TMZ story. Yes. And she Thanks was in, for bringing it to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was also, I don't know if anyone ever saw this, a low-budget film called Honeybee Mm-mm. about a young woman who drops out of college against her father's wishes to pursue a career as a professional boxer in 2001. That seems like a big movie. And it doesn't look half bad. And then uh, no? Carol, of course, is played by Wendy Malick, who needs no introduction. Hooray. Just shoot me. <laughs> She's great. She's so great in everything. She's great in everything. She had big roles in Friends, didn't she? Yes. She was someone's... No, she no, she didn't. You made me look was like an idiot. No. Wow, that seems crazy. Yeah, wasn't she Rachel's boss? I thought so, maybe. I think we're just wrong. She's on Frasier. Is that what you were thinking of? No. Okay. Frasier, just shoot me. She was in an we'll X-Files. Anyway. Oh, and Dream On, 119 episodes. Wow. Yes. I didn't know that. I do remember that. All right, take yeah. it easy. <laughs> no. Yes, she was definitely in that one. Yes, Wendy Malick, dream on. I hope I never wake up. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, let's keep moving. Sorry, I'm chatty. It's late. You are, and it is. So, Ira decides that Paul is a chiropractor, and Wendy Malick needs her neck adjusted. And (laughs) as this happens, Paul spills hors d'oeuvres on his shirt. Yeah, like this schmutz squirts out of what the thing he's eating. Yeah. All over his shirt. All over his shirt. Now, you noticed how he looked up, right? No. How did he look up? Oh, man. Why? I don't think I'm correct. So, like, after he's wiping it down. Yeah. And there's a lot of laughter going on. And then it's like, I think it seemed like more squirted than they expected, maybe. Oh, yeah. And he looks up at the sky as if it had fallen out of the sky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Ira does, too. I see what you're saying now. Yes. That is if I remember. Is that. that a bird poop joke? I think that may be a bird. Because it looked a little like bird crap. I think so. That's very weird and funny. Because <laughs> it also looks like he might be about to break. Yes, that's funny. It's fun when something overdoes it on accident. Sure. Here's another fun bit of filmmaking. Yeah, that back happens. in the cab. Here's Russ's next. No, we're not in the. We're not back in the cab yet. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. So in the background of that shot, yes, we see Helen Hunt. We see Jamie. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I, John. No, go ahead. I don't know what no. you're going to say, but I know what you're going to say. Our theme music is by John uh, Ivy. I know you're going to say it's some part of another scene to connect the yeah. dots, right? What which what yeah. moment is it? Jamie starts looking around over her shoulders, and we see Eric Stoltz in the background. That's this all right. happens in the background of the scene. Yeah, you're right. I'm furious with you. Well, I don't know if it's the biggest. <laughs> leap like i don't is that particularly innovative in any i mean i'm not saying it's bad i just it didn't well it ties the episode together you on paper love this haven't we seen them do it all like we know it's happening like pennsylvania we already got in the background of the next scene right or not yet what we hear the pennsylvania in the back of jamie's scene after the pennsylvania scene yes right that's happened already we do hear pennsylvania hasn't that no, happened? we haven't heard no we're still oh involved. so this is the first time they tie it together yes well russ i must commend your level of observation i can't believe you picked this out i did not notice at all yes this happened that is very cool and impressive <laughs> yeah and we're gonna listen to it right now I am really glad to meet you. Oh, well, thank you very much. You know, my neck is killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Why the hell are you taking Lexington? Hey, don't yell at him because you're mad at me. Hey, watch it, Nimrod! (laughs) I'm fine. I had a wonderful time. All right. How could anybody say we're like Doris and Doris's husband? Well, we're not. It's ridiculous. We just like being together. That's, that's normal. normal. 
we just got the next version of going from the end of this scene into the cab, which is just plain silent, if I remember correctly. And then we come back into the Doris and Doris's husband line. So we have gone back in time now. And now it's time for us to follow Jamie. I have written, I love this. Cool. <laughs> I like so it. So you like it. <laughs> Jamie runs into Fran. I want to be friends with it. You want to be friends? That's fine. Okay. It, well, kind of. Well, you're not acting like Yeah, it. yeah. I don't know if I want to be friends, but I'm willing to be friends. <laughs> you're acting like this is less Fran and more Doris's husband. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Jamie runs into Fran. Fran says, oh, no, don't ruin my party. At that point, Ira arrives because we're back in time, remember? And he tells Jamie that she and Paul will work it out because he also thinks right. that they are fighting. Wendy Malik shows up, talks to Jamie briefly. Then and... we see the Pennsylvania in the background, and we're like, oh, we went back a few minutes. Yeah. Now we're seeing what Helen Hunt's journey was at the yes. party. Yes. Wendy Malik's character is boring. It's very so, funny. Yes. And so Jamie escapes to go and be with Fran. She's obsessed Fran. with how versatile a lemon can be. Yes. Fish, Wendy tea, Malick iced is. tea, dresses up a glass of water. <laughs> Fran tells Jamie not to ruin her party. And she tells her this because Eric Stoltz has arrived. Her ex, Bo. Yeah. Everyone knows who he is. I don't need to go through it. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Who is he in that? The drug dealer. Ah, uh, Lance. Yes. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Prank caller. Prank caller. I've only seen it once. Really? Yeah, it wasn't one of those big generational movies for me. I watched it later in life. Oh, when did you watch it? When I was 23. That still counts. Yeah, but... I, I saw it for the first time in college. Yeah, exactly. That's different. I saw it after college. You know what? You're right. No, it is you're different because you're all like, oh, the posters are up. Everyone's talking about it constantly. Sure. Well, look, they're not talking about it constantly. I was still in college Six years after the movie came out. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, but, okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, he was in Jerry Maguire. No, we're going we're gonna to get down to the <laughs> bottom of whether or not Pulp Fiction is important and when it is important. I didn't know he was in Jerry we're Maguire. We're going to crack this. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, he's a Cameron Crowe boy. Yeah, he was in uh, Say Anything. He, I think they used to be roommates. Oh, really? Cameron Crowe. Ah, cool. Yeah, he's the mime and Say Anything. I never saw it. Oh, I did see it. There's a mime in that? One scene. I think he's drunk. He's a mime. Oh, I vaguely remember that. He's in the back seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. That was a good movie. Yeah. Two Days in the Valley. I like that movie. Nobody saw that. Sure. I'll tell you what he was not in. Do you know what he was not in famously? No. Back to the Future. Wait, really? He's credited here as the stunt driver. And it says uncredited. Well, which is it? I don't know. Last guy in DB. He may have done some driving and some scenes wound up because he was the original Marty McFly. What? They shot weeks, if not months, of footage of him as Marty. Whoa. Then what? It wasn't working. He wasn't getting it. Ouch. It wasn't funny. And they just recently released a couple of like... Scenes? Like the past few years, they released a couple of four-second clips of Eric Stoltz in the movie. And you just watch and you're like, yeah, this doesn't work. This isn't fun. Wow. Bobby Zemeckis. Yeah. Take so no they, prisoners. They, they canned him. And, wow. And they switched it up. And that's part of why the reason that they were able to get Michael J. Fox, but he was also doing Family Ties at the same time. Uh -huh. So he was shooting Back to the Future lots of times at night. And right. that's why they wrote the DeLorean stuff into the parking lot of Mall in the middle of the night. Because the whole Libyan scene and everything, the test for the DeLorean, they shot it in the Mall parking lot. Right. Because it was easier to shoot because they were shooting at night. They would shoot that in the night. You mean they would have had a more boring doing... location if they had shot it in the day? Yes. 
Gotcha. Yes, they would have written it, and it would have just been like, uh, the daytime, blah, blah, blah. I went to that mall parking lot. Did you? Sure. (gasps) I'm In City of Industry, California. It was very fun. My brother and his wife took a road trip for their honeymoon and went to Oh, that's right. Of places. They went to Doc Brown's Man. Yeah, they went hardcore. They went hardcore. Yeah. And when he was telling me about it, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, you're going to go to the Burger King that's in the Power of Love scene at the beginning? Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. And then he's just like, he sends me a picture. I'm like, you're at Doc Brown's Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, yes. Yeah, so, Eric Stoltz is there. Cool. I also think that this episode would have been better had Michael, Michael J. J. Fox playing this role. Agreed. <laughs> so, bottom line is Jamie thinks that she broke up with Eric Stoltz, whereas Eric Stoltz thinks that yeah. he broke up with Never her. Never seen we'll that before. More about that later. Yeah. Right? That's an interesting twist on a breakup. <laughs> uh, sure. So, at that point, yeah, they do a little bit of small talk. Eric Stoltz sucks. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Alan says, I heard you got married. Where is he? And at that point, Paul spills hors d'oeuvres all over himself in the background. And Jamie spins around looking, which is what we saw in the background of the hors d'oeuvre scene before. Right. So, yes, things are tying together. As Jamie says, he's somewhere. Yeah, she denies knowing him. It's a little sad. Yes, yes, it is. We come back from commercial. We're in the cab. Gosh. Yeah. Paul has a cookie. Yeah. Yeah, He pulls it out of his pocket. He stole it from the party. Yes. Yes. Jamie says, you took food. He says, it's a cookie. Jamie says, did you take another one? Paul says, no. And then he doesn't give her any. That's a real fight. They are in a fight. We cut back to the party. Yeah. And Ira is pouring salt. uh, Salsa. Good. Salsa. 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 Ira is pouring seltzer on Paul's shirt. But he's pouring it out of a two liter. Like, it's so over the top. (laughs) Sure. Yes. He's not dabbing it as you would think he would. They're saying you have to dab it, which was funny. Yes. But yes. Dab, isn't that a new dance move that the kids do? Well, it's... Or is that dab? It's about... No, it's dabbing. It's about three years old at this point. Okay, that's not that old. But yeah, it's newish. It's new for us. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get some footage of you dabbing. I want footage of Ira and Paul dabbing. <laughs> dab about so, you. So, yes. Dab, dab about you. Well, now we have pins. <laughs> so... <laughs> Somehow the girls are still hanging around and really... Oh, yeah. I, this Sorry, that's my commentary. No problem. <laughs> Paul decides to adjust Wendy's neck. I couldn't Wendy believe they were hanging around for all this. Yeah. These two women. They, they have a lot have of patience. Right, yeah. So Paul gives Wendy Malik a neck adjustment by turning her head to the side as Ira, within earshot but out of direct line of sight, crunches his soda bottle. You're making faces. Did you not know this is happening? Oh, wait. Do you have the clip? No. Oh, then I do. This may hurt for a second. Huh? It, it, it really, it's better. Yeah. Thank you. I wrote, our sound comedian is back. <laughs> Why? Did you think that? I thought it was, was just funny? an insane sound No, I put together by whoever. Remember how Mad About You used to always have the funniest sounds? Did you not like this episode because you only watched one half of it? Yeah. Like, literally, you had your hand over half of the screen? Yeah. I, so yeah. You didn't see- <laughs> yeah, that's why. Yeah. I only have half a TV, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, my roommate oh, has the other half. I'm sorry to tease you. He was watching pornography. <laughs> That's very 
funny, I guess. Yes. I didn't notice that. It is funny if you don't think about it for a single yeah, second. Yeah, I get that. The noise was very funny. I laughed hard. The noise is great. Yeah. It's a funny bit. As soon as you're just like, wait a minute. So they don't hear that it's coming from the soda bottle that's right next to them? Right. But if you don't think about that, what a hoot. They're just, you know, a couple of dumb... <laughs> Right. I was gonna I don't mean this. I was gonna say a couple of dumb broads. Because that's what Ira would say. <laughs> yes, he would. I don't even think he'd say that though. No, this is just your being terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, I'll Ira donate takes... money. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> Ira takes his girl to go smoke, and Paul then tries to tell the zest story. Here's a funny little story. Um... <laughs> When my wife and I came back from our honeymoon... Ah, you're married. Yeah, so uh, she had done all the thank you notes, written them right away, and then she gave them to me to mail. So I put them in my gym bag, and I'm walking to the gym, and on my way, I see at the Waverly Theater this movie that I was... I, I wanted to see this uh, some Italian thing, the, the, the tr tree... The tree of... Tree of... Something. Tree of something. Some, some, something in a tree. Something in a tree. A bush, something in a bush, a bush, a tree. <laughs> Oh, well, we only have to suffer through this eight more times. The story is bad, but they need each other to tell the story. Also, I couldn't find an Italian film named Birds of a Feather. Yeah, it's possible that they just made it up. It really bothers me, though. <laughs> okay. Duly noted, you psychopath. A, there is a film called The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is a 1970 film, and it's considered a landmark in the Italian giallo genre, whatever that is. I don't know what G uh -huh. Giallo is. I have no idea. I don't know either. There's it's also, funnily enough, a Harold Lloyd silent short called Birds of a Feather. Oh, wow. And the description, which I love, is Luke, running a chili parlor, inherits a million dollars and joins high society. Great. <laughs> Sounds very up your alley. I like the idea of parlor. A chili parlor. Yes. Sounds very fancy. Oh, could I have some more parlor beans? Some, <laughs> are there any crackers? Oh, you'll have to. Sorry, yeah. you've, you've left the parlor. <laughs> I think we should have a little Paul film festival sometime. Okay. You know, and watch all the movies he likes. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, whatever. I don't care when. Great. Okay. <laughs> so Paul introduces himself. That he's saying goodnight to Wendy Malick. He uh, introduces himself rather than as Dr. Buckman. He says he is Paul. And Wendy Malick says, I've always wanted to work with a Paul Buckman. He's a director and I'm an executive at NBC. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So then Paul meets up with Jamie and we cut back to the cab where Paul and Jamie are still trying to determine who's right and who's wrong. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to the party mm -hmm. and Jamie is telling Alan the Zest story. He puts them in his gym bag and says he'll stop at the post office because it's right on his way. Which which gym? Um, health and racket. Anyway, so so he's on his way and he stops to see birds of a feather. After the gym? No, instead. It's a brilliant film. <laughs> anyway, um, so he uh, he takes a bath after the movie. <laughs> this is months later. I don't think I'm following it you It doesn't here. matter. It doesn't matter. I get it. They're so predictable that they're even telling the same story at the same time, even when they're not together. Well, yes and no. No, yes. It's, it's what's happening. That is what's happening, but it's not a, oh, I get it. It is. They're so predictable that. That's part of it. It's about maybe, but also they are bad at telling the story because they need the other person there to complete it. It's both 100%. It's both 50% east. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so 
That's how math works, John. I half I agree. Tell you. I half agree. So Jamie insists that she's doing really well. She says it again and again. Alan is an artist and a photographer. He says, I'm doing album covers. Jamie says, I started my own PR firm. Alan says, Peter Gabriel. Jamie says, Coca-Cola. Yeah. I think she's overshooting. Peter Gabriel only had one album come out in the 90s. Was it So? No, it was Us. Okay. 92. What's on it? Songs? Yeah. Come Talk to Me, Love to Be Loved, Blood of Eden with Sinead O'Connor, Steam. Love Steam. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, I don't know any of these. Only Us, Washing of the Water. Oh, brother. 14 Black Paintings, Digging in the Dirt, Kiss That Frog, and Secret World. And there's a Japanese bonus track, which is probably not offensive at all, called Bashi Bazook. <laughs> Why do you think they'd be, it would be offensive? I don't know. Record companies put extra tracks on albums sold in Japan. No, but it sounds like a Japanese-style track. Oh, I don't think that's the case. Oh, I'm I being offensive. Just, yes, <laughs> you're inferring things that are not to be inferred. Bashi is a Japanese suffix, I believe. Like Shinbashi okay. or something else Bashi. Okay. That's why I thought so. Fair. It's rooted in reality, but you're still offensive. You know what's interesting about going what's to... That? Oh, a Bashi Bazook was an irregular soldier of the Ottoman army. Okay, so Turkey then. Yeah. In Japan, when you would go to Tower Records or Virgin, in the 90s at least, the mm-hmm. R&B and rap music would be in a section called Black Music. Oh, great. Isn't that interesting? Yep. Blues, jazz, everything. Every Oh, man. This Peter Gabriel album cover is pretty cool, though. Yeah? Which I know it's not real, but kind of like her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> That's so funny, you weird person. He's talented. He's... <laughs> and he's super chill. He is very chill. He's clearly over it. Oh, my gosh. And she should be. So... She has a great life. Yeah. Great husband. You're right again. Alan says that he broke up with Jamie. Yeah, Jamie yeah, knows yeah. that she broke up with him. Right. We go back to the cab for five seconds of a total silence. Uh, which Russ loses his mind for, I'm sure. Yep, it's great. Let me tell you my favorite part about this silence. No, I'm not going to <laughs> So Alan asks Lisa out. Yeah, that's... Oh, anywhere. he probably doesn't know. No, he must know probably their sisters. Yeah, well, no, yeah, he does. Yeah. Clearly, it was a big relationship. Yeah, it was a while. Well, that's not a good move, Alan. You just lost some brownie points. For sure. Oh, but he had that great album cover, so you love him. I was literally thinking that. (laughs) So he tells Lisa that it's okay because he broke up with Jamie. And Paul goes over to smooth things over with Wendy Malick and insists that he's the real Paul Buckman. And this is fun. Paul says, you're going to think this is really funny. And Wendy Malick says, it's not that soap story again, is it? (laughs) So, yes, as he's trying to confess to his real personality, Ira walks by and Paul says, Ira, would you please tell this woman what I do? Ira says he's a chiropractor. And he puts his foot in his mouth. Yes, he does. What are you trying to pull? Okay, look, here is my director's guild card. I I swear... It's, he does this to me all the time. He, he, I ever wanted to meet your friend, so he always does this. He brings me to a party, and he, you know, he, he's chasing after the beautiful woman. He sticks me with the other one. So. This was funny. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah, that's awful. That's, a, that's truly that's awful. A, that's and also hysterical to say about Wendy Malick, who, like, I feel like half the time plays a supermodel on TV. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I remember her arc in uh, Dream On. Okay, all right. <laughs> Paul says, I am Paul Buckman. And Wendy Malick, now mortified, says, Trust me, no one will ever know. Yeah, that's pretty cutting. It's a really good line. Now, at which point, yes, Lisa comes over. Is that what you're about Lisa to say? Lisa comes over. Do you have a clip for this? I don't. Okay, hold on, everyone, because it, this yeah. is my favorite joke in the episode. It's great. Scrod? Royally. 
That's great. That is now that's funny. That's very funny. That's the funniest part of the show, I think. Ooh, it's a really good line. Russ, do you know what scrot is? Yeah, it's a fish. Yeah, but do you know what kind of fish and why it's called that? No, I don't. I found a really... I didn't know I was going to have to do upper level research. This on article on New England Today is so dry. It's like a parody of itself. Oh, yeah? The New England Today article on scrot is dry? Yeah. <laughs> the legend of the sacred cod, or is it scrod? There is, of course, no such fish as scrod in New England waters or anywhere else. The term began years ago when fishing schooners would return from the Grand Banks to the Boston Fish Pier, loaded with fish ready to be auctioned off. Now, fancy hotels like, for instance, the Parker House, and in parentheses, still going strong, <laughs> didn't want to serve fish that came out of the bottom of any ship's hold. It would be old, flabby, and maybe soft from the weight of each succeeding day's catch on top of it. Interesting. So to go along with its famous roles, the Parker House wanted only the small, choice, firm, fresh fish from the top layers. There's a warm-up. Firm, fresh fish. Firm, fresh fish. <laughs> of course, the Parker House maitre d' couldn't predict what sort of fish would be on the top layer. If he printed the menu featuring haddock and the top layer turned out to be pollock, well, he might get away with it in Kansas City, but not in Boston. Sure. So what to do? The answer was simple. He coined a name for a new seafood. He called it Scrod. Wow. Now, there's one other really weird... Oh, where is it? There's one other really weird aspect to this story involving the devil. Incidentally, it's easy to... So it could be cod or haddock. Okay. Incidentally, it's easy to tell cod from haddock if their skins are on. It's part of the cod's New England mystique, you see, that it became the, quote, sacred cod because it was the fish Christ used when he fed multitudes. Even today, oh. the marks of his thumbs and forefingers are plainly visible on the codfish. Interesting. Interesting. As to the haddock, well, the devil thought he could multiply fish and feed multitudes too. So he grabbed a cod, but it wriggled and slid through his red hot fingers, burning two black stripes down its sides. And so it became a haddock. Fishermen still use these markings to differentiate between the cod and the haddock. And there's more that I won't read. This was great. There's an article that says how to pronounce scallop in a New England dialect. There's an article that says why people say rabbit rabbit on the first day of the month. <laughs> Who says rabbit rabbit? I don't know. I want to read that article. Find out. This paper is actually fascinating, but it makes New Englanders look like lunatics. <laughs> Today's the first day of the month, and rabbit was the first oh word spoken in this house. Gosh. <laughs> Ah. Holy smoke. Anyway, everyone anyway. take a nice trip to Long Island. It's a lovely area. Great, great, great. We're in the cab. Jamie said, wait, did you say Long Island or New England? I don't know what I said, but we all Long know Island. what I meant. Great. Jamie's in the cab. She says, excuse me, could you please drive us into a pole? That's very funny. It sure is. We go back to the party <laughs> and they're ending happy birthday to you by singing you. Yes. And that's how they avoid having to pay royalties. Oh. Oh, yeah. I wrote They Spared Us the Song because I hate listening to people sing that song. It's both. Yeah, for sure. But you're right. Money. Yep. Lisa wants Fran's wish. Yeah, that's funny. And it doesn't get a laugh. Not funny it enough. It's not. I guess. Paul goes and apologizes to Wendy Malik. She shares that she's split from her husband and she misses the little shorthand that exists between yeah. couples. And Paul shares a few gestures. You know, he shares the, hey, it's time to go gesture. There's a thing on your nose gesture. And then he runs his fingers through his hair and says, I am currently talking to the most boring person in the world. That's that gesture. Mm -hmm. And then he does a fun little thing and he says, that means swing on anything. He's still in second. Yeah, very cute. 
Also doesn't yes. get a laugh. It does not. He has won over Wendy Malick, though, and she gives him her business card. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Jamie then follows Alan into the kitchen. Also passing the wet bar, which I swear was not there before, right? I think you're right. So yeah, for that's new. all of their attempts to like really maintain a level of continuity to tell the story, Russ, mm-hmm. a whole set piece just pops up in the middle of the episode? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. The party got going. Yeah. All right, everybody. It's 11 o'clock. Time to <laughs> bring out the wet bar. Ugh. So he's making his own tea in the kitchen. Yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah. He's a real artist type, you know? Oh, my gosh. That's so funny that you like this character. It's interesting. He's an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy. Jamie says, good night. It's great to see you. I broke up with you. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sick of yeah. this back and forth. Yeah, me too. Jamie and Alan, had a, a, we learned that they had a fight during Aida. Starring what's his which, name? Pennsylvania. Yeah, starring the dude who says the Pennsylvania joke. They then fought in the cab, and they broke up the next morning after Alan had waffles. The back and forth determining this is very annoying and very insignificant. She, my cousin Vinny's him. Yes, she said. Yes, she does. It has to do with the cooking about, time of his breakfast. Yes. Like when. You couldn't have. Yes, if you said that you called me after you had finished your waffles that's right take at least 40 minutes which is similar to the grit conversation yeah it's are you telling me you cook your grits in four are, are we meant to believe that the laws yes. of physics don't apply to your stove were these magic grits yeah oh, oh were these magic grits that's right yeah oh you get these grits from the same guy that gave jack his beanstalk beans are you sure about those five minutes i don't know are you sure about those five i don't minutes? know I could be mistaken. Oh, Russ. I got no more use for this guy. (laughs) One of my favorite movies. Me too. I saw that as a very small child in the theater. (gasps) It's the first radar movie I saw because my grandma loved it so much. Every single time I watch it, it has not lost anything. I've seen it maybe a hundred times, not exaggerating. Yeah, it could be my most watched movie. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the... Oh, yeah. Oh, that stuttering bit is something else. Austin Pendleton. Oh, I know. Great. Ooh. Anyway. Anyway. So this is all to say that at the end of this discussion between Alan and Jamie, Alan says, wow. Jamie says, what? Alan says, you're still nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Jamie says, I'm not nuts. I'm thorough. Jamie says goodbye to Fran, who tells Jamie that she misses cab rides home with Mark after parties. They talk. If she only knew. (laughs) What? Oh, how about the cab sure, ride sure, sure. that Paul and Jamie are ha- right. about to have? But boy, isn't that true, though? I love the cab. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You leave. You talk oh, about it's people. so fun. You talk about the party. Really great. So Paul and Jamie are leaving, and Jamie runs into Wendy Malik once again. And she starts going Who, at on. at this point, yeah, she starts talking about fish. Yeah, scrode. Scrod. Scrod. I we just talked about it so Yeah, because it sounds like scrote. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> gross. <laughs> Save that for whatever police movie you want to watch. Yeah, it's a, um, no, that was a line from uh, Something Prey. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> Silent. Thank you. Uh, wait, are you talking about Silent Predator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silent Predator. <laughs> Predator. <laughs> so, Jamie starts to give the boring woman hair signal to Paul. I like halibut. Really? Yeah. Not as much as flounder. Good. But more than pike. Well, a little more than pike, although not as much as grouper. (laughs) Okie dokie. Hey, honey. Ready to go? Yeah, just a sec. Did you you meet Carol? Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) Your hair looks great, really. Stop fussing. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're a beautiful woman. Stop fussing. Seriously. 
Huh? Yes. Did I give you my card? Yes. May I have it back? Yes. Right in front of Wendy Malik. Oops. So Wendy asks for her card back. Which is really petty, I think. Either you like his work or you don't. On the other hand, they're married and she's like, I don't want to be involved with this couple. Yeah, you don't want to deal get with it. a person All right, who, fine. Yeah. A person who finds you extremely boring. Yeah, that is brutal. You're right. She's got her pride. You're right. Good for her. You know she, what? There's she, yeah. a million directors in this need town. Ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's the head of NBC. Yeah. Ever hear of a little show called Seinfeld? Right. <laughs> she's doing just fine. So Paul gave away, they talk in the cab. Paul gave away the signals because he was trying to charm Wendy Malick. Then they start talking again about, we get the complete zest story. She didn't even laugh at the thank you note story. Well, did you tell it right? I think I can tell a story without your help. <laughs> you gave me the thank you notes. I put them in my gym bag to mail. On the way to the gym, I stopped at the movies to see the... What is the name of that? It doesn't matter. The point is, you didn't get to the gym for six months, then you took a bath. No, 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 you keep, you keep jumping that part. First, after six months, I realized, I first realized that I forgot to mail them, only I didn't want you to know. So I thought I'd make them look weathered, you know, like the post office lost them or something. Right, 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 then you took the bath. Yeah, then I took the bath. And I, and I took the envelopes into the bathtub with me to, to weather them up. And then you came in. I came in and I saw you sitting in the bathtub with 75 envelopes around you. And I said, said what are you doing? Said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, um, I'm writing to Zest. I'm just so pleased with their work. <laughs> it is a very funny punchline. It's a fun punchline. Do you think that's real? The cabbie agrees. Do I think what's real? That story? No. You don't think it happened to a writer? No. Because it's crazy. It is crazy. You think it might be real? It's, it's I don't weird, know. It's it, weird enough it's to weird. be a real thing. Uh, yeah, who knows? The actor playing the cabbie is Joe Flood. Yeah. From Naked Gun 33 and a third. Okay. He plays the role. That? Oh, he was, uh, do you remember Cop? He was Cop. Yeah. <laughs> he was Cop. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he, That's great. A couple episodes of Hunter. Who was he in that? Do you remember Jailer? We got cop and Jailer. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's wearing a lot of hats, Russ. <laughs> oh, and a Father Dowling mystery. Oh, gosh. You don't remember Father Dowling? Doctor? No, no, you're thinking of something else. He was Santa number I'm one. I'm thinking of Ken Jong. Who was he? <laughs> I love Father Dowling. Well, I don't love Father Dowling. My grandma loved Father Dowling. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, he got a name. He was in two episodes of Black Donnelly's. He played someone named Christy. Okay. God bless good him. him. Good for him. I watched a few episodes of the Black Donnellys. All you want wanted, in this business is a name. Wanted it to be better every time. Ouch. And then it got canceled. Sure did. So the cabbie gives him a laugh. A big one. Yes. And it's a weird and, shot. Yeah. So that's what the fight has been about. It's been about Jamie potentially ruining this job for Paul. Right. Not potentially. Is, like definitely. Oh, yes. For sure. A hundred percent ruined. Yes. It's done. But so. it's not her fault. It was an accident. No. And they realize that. Finally, and they finally get to tell each other the zest story, and the mood breaks. Yes, in the cab, and he gives her his cookie. Yes, so they're okay now. <laughs> this is fun because Jamie says, "I'm sorry," and Paul says, "How could you know?" So yeah. he flips the line. Oh, that is and, nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, then, the first line right? of the episode. First line of the episode oh, is Jamie saying, "How could good. I know?" 
And then he said, oh, how can you know? That's good. All right. So, all right. You, hey, you brought me around a little. Good. I'm happy to do that. So Jamie asks if Paul met anybody fun there. And then we cut back to the party and Paul is shaking hands with Alan, introducing himself. They made and dinner plans. He's invited him. Yeah, they made dinner plans. Which is unlike Paul. It's sure That's is. how much he likes this guy. And then we see the exterior of the cab and we hear Paul yelling, how could I know? Oh, yeah. Okay. Why isn't that the name of the episode? Because that's too on the nose. That's well, it's on the nose and also oblique. How could I know doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it does. It's the repeated line, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it does. It's a question. I know. What do you mean it doesn't mean anything? Look, it's not like naming something why are you here? It's English. Wait, what's why are you here again? <laughs> why are you here is the hitchhiker episode. <laughs> Bingo bango. <laughs> Bingo, baby. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so then the cat episode. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The tag for this episode is them sitting in the cab silent. Russ, it's nothing. The tag is nothing. And yeah. you probably loved and it. No, this is what I did. No, this, this is revelatory. Was, How often do we get a tag that's just nothing? Really cool. Really cool. You're the worst. <laughs> I'm going to start treating you like you have treated me today. Oh, good, good. Unless you're treating me the way I normally treat you. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never say. In which case, I've got a lot of soul searching. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, what a great oh. episode of well of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love this episode of Mad About You. I love. Yeah, it. and I didn't, but I liked it enough. Why don't you I don't guys think that's true? <laughs> rise, girls, rise, guys. Tell us what you think. Yes, please. You could tweet at us at Mad About You Pod. You could Facebook us at Mad About You Pod. You could email us madaboutyoupod at gmail if you really, you know, one of the fastest and most effective ways to get in touch with us is to let us know what you think in the form of a, an iTunes review. Mm-hmm. We read those religiously. We do? <laughs> yeah, at least once a day. And uh, it really helps us out. You have anything to plug? Please do. What do I have to plug? I mean, I do musical improv every Tuesday at the Magnet Theater with Public Pool. Sure. We're a fun group. Come check us out. 29th and 8th Avenue, Tuesday nights. New York City, baby. Yeah. How about yourself? This is a very specific plug, but if you happen to be in the Wilmington, North Carolina area (laughs) on Saturday, (laughs) June 16th at 3 Mm p.m., come check out screening of some shorts at the Cape Fear Independent Film Festival, where I'll be showing my new short, Uber X, another rom-com. And congratulations to you on the success thus far of Uber X. You won an award or two. Oh, sure. Won a couple awards so far. Thank you very much. wonderful. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. One award closer to the Oscars. There you go. That's how it's cumulative. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think you have to get 10. Yeah, you, you get, get a punch And card. then you send them in. <laughs> you send in a bunch of awards, and they For send purchase. you back. Yeah. <laughs> collecting box yeah. tops. It's an Academy Award whistle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Use it to make long-distance phone calls. That's wonderful. So, yeah, show up, North Carolina. Yeah, if you guys are out there, come on out. That's where I'll be. John would be happy to see you. Yeah. And we're happy to have you listening. We sure are. This week and every week. We have a theme song. It goes like this. Our theme song is by Mr. John D. Ivy. Thank you so much for it, John. Our logo is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. Find him on Twitter at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E. Thanks so much, Nathan. And our sound was mixed by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich. Thanks, Vuk. Thank you, Vuk. John, again, please. Yes? What? 
We'll do more of this. Yeah. More episodes of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've agreed. Well, great. Yeah, that's always the case. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> and if it's not, I'm not going to tell you on air. That's f- <laughs> This will be a close. But I'll tell you right story. after. <laughs> rise, guys. Rise, gals. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Mad About, Mad About You. I'm Russ. And Gator. I'm John Marbley. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.